And then back to something that Moritz and I have talked about, and it could be what you wanted to bring up, Moritz, I don't know. But we've been talking about this point about in our trend-following portfolio, should we just keep adding markets, right? Or when is enough in terms of markets? Because on our side, we trade only 55 markets. And uh, I know Moritz trades a lot more, and 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 uh, and Jerry, for that matter. Uh, you know, so we've always had this little bit of a debate uh, where we need a kind of an independent ref to come and talk to us about it. So maybe Rob, that's what you need to do today about you know where does where where is the limit within trend following portfolios in terms of just adding markets? You are the referee. I mean, just uh, because we just touched on the MIP, the MIP lost close to twenty four percent this past week. The DAX is down twenty percent. I'd say. The reason I'm not down 10% or 20% is because my portfolio is so diversified. It's diversified across markets. It's diversified across timeframes and systems. It's diversified across long and short positions, right? There's stuff in there that's just independent just by eyeballing it, rapeseed and crude oil and Bitcoin and equities and you know all of that stuff. And it is really my belief. It's one of those things that has been instilled in my brain, kind of like chiseled in that I'm not giving up is diversification is the only free lunch that you can harvest out there. And there is a diversification benefit that you can get from every market that you're adding to a portfolio that does not show perfect and perfectly stable correlation to any of the other markets, right? Now, that benefit mathematically gets smaller the more assets you add to the portfolio. But that being said, even though the marginal benefit gets smaller, it's still a positive benefit. And so my belief really is that from a risk-adjusted return perspective, if I'm trading as many markets as I can, if they don't have perfect correlation, then I should get better risk-adjusted returns. And I'm a bit puzzled by, you know, we've heard some some people from the industry say, and the name shall stay unmentioned, that Oh, no, no, no. We've started to reduce positions. We've started to reduce markets, not positions, but markets in our portfolio. We're back from, we maybe say we had 100, now we're at 70, we're going to 50 because we want to have more conviction in certain positions and they're kind of like showing the same trains anyway. And I say, no, 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 this is, this is, this is wrong. This is, I'm, I'm not moving on that. Um, so you're the referee on that, Rob. Okay, the referee is ready to make his decision. Um, I, well, I will just say before you do that, Rob, I may have a few other points than Rob, uh, that, than Moritz before. Yeah. Uh, but um, anyways, I'll let you talk. Yeah. I'll let you talk. Um, I mean, I would say that Moritz is theoretically correct, but from a practical perspective, um, he may not be right. Um, so I agree with you that every market you add will, um, will add you know, a small amount of performance to your portfolio and that the, the benefit will obviously reduce over time. So um, I'm trading about 35 markets. Um, I would definitely like to trade more than that, absolutely. Um, and I'm the reason I can't is because I have I'm just trading my own money, so I've got relatively limited capital. Um, so that's the first kind of practical reason why you can't necessarily trade as many markets as you would like. Um, so if if I could be permitted to plug my latest book, which is called Leverage Trading, of course. <laughs> so uh, and a lot of the time I spend in that book is it's really aimed at retail traders with relatively little capital. And I spend a lot of time asking the question, if you've got limited capital, what is the best use you can make of it? Um, and the, the the kind of first thing I say is, look, if you have enough capital to trade, to add an extra market to your portfolio, then almost certainly that is what you should do. Um, because you're going to see a, a benefit that will be larger than doing almost anything else with, with that 
uh, extra money. Um, so if you have a, a large amount of capital, and I, I'm, I'm saying hundreds of millions, if not billions now, um, then it, it's quite likely um, that you will be able to add quite a lot of markets. Um, the there is a cost as a business to having extra markets and this is kind of interesting because it um, when I was um, working for uh, AHL I do remember having a conversation with the, um, the the chief operating officer of the fund and he called me into his office and he says look I notice you've you've um, decided to add another 45 markets to this fund some of them are going to have very small allocations the, the expected return is, is going to be quite small and I put on my Moritz hat and I said, well, yes, but it will be positive in the expectation. Um, uh, so we should absolutely do this. For the From the client's perspective, this is the right thing to do. Um, and uh, he said, well, yes, but is as from our perspective as a business, is it the right thing to do? Because, um, you know, there's, there's sort of a fixed cost to adding each of these markets. Um, and at some point, the, the fixed cost is going to be greater than what we could realistically expect to earn from kind of higher management and performance fees. So that was quite of interesting. That was a, a classic kind of uh, incentive conflict between, you know, the client and the manager. What was, was best for the client wasn't necessarily best for the manager. Um, I think there is a compromise. So if, if I can get you guys to talk to each other again and get out of this fight. <laughs> um, no, I'll tell you one thing before you get the compromise, yeah. because this is important. Yeah. Because I've I've said to both uh, Moritz and Jerry that it's not that I disagree about adding more markets, right? So we trade fifty five markets, and of course we could trade a few more. But I also remember from from my conversations with uh, my peers over the last twenty years. I mean, a lot of them think that once you get to sixty sixty five markets, there aren't that many that are really that uh, you know uh, diversifying for you. But anyways, my point was slightly different when I talked when I kind of said the point about you also need to have conviction in your portfolio and that is one of the things we were discussing was that i don't believe you can keep adding more markets and trade them with the same level of risk that's the point i think if you have a hundred markets you need to trade smaller compared if you're having 50 markets that's just my that's my belief i don't have any statistical backing for that but that's my belief and that's why i'm saying Sometimes we also don't have to be afraid of having conviction in the portfolio where we have maybe fewer markets, but where the exposure is a little bit bigger because otherwise we're just going to end up looking like, you know, average, okay, right? If so, we just make, yeah. yeah so yeah. That, that's, I just want to say that before you and, give your and, and, final, and final maybe, verdict. Maybe one thing before you start, Rob, and, and then you can answer that question at the same time. Obviously, if you have the same amount of capital today and you're doubling the number of markets, then yes, you need to trade them with less risk. But let's just assume that we're talking institutionally sized, like a billion bucks or so portfolio, yeah. right? You can really go across all those markets, I think. And the the extra costs, I mean, well, I don't know how, how people are doing it, but for me, the extra cost of another market is really zero. Okay. It's traded automatically. I'm, I'm paying market data cost anyway, right? Maybe that market that I will be adding is less liquid than the ones that I have in my portfolio. So it may have a little bit of more transactional related cost. But other than that, it is, it is just not there. And the final point I want to make is that with our style of trading, I think there is a second dimension 
to that diversification that you do not see in a long only type of portfolio. If we're long only buy and hold and we're putting equities together, right? Like the, the 51st stock isn't going to add as much as the 50th and so on. But we don't know where the trends are going to be. The more markets we trade, the greater the probability that we will catch one of those trends. We don't know where the trends are. It's not about just the diversification that the data returns are uncorrelated to each other. It's we're trying to increase the probability spectrum of getting on a ride on some of those markets that have a massive trend and hopefully takes us to the moon to pay for all those losers. And the more markets I trade, the greater that probability is. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of a quantitative way of describing what you said, Moritz, which is that if you compare the correlation of a trading system with the correlation yes. of the underlying assets, it's Correct. less than it's less. So um, obviously, if you've got a really slow trend following system, um, then it's going to have quite a high correlation with the underlying asset, uh, especially if that asset has got a lot, you know, a big secular trend in it, like, I don't know, euro dollar, the last 40 years, a really slow trend following system would have been pretty much long the whole time, maybe briefly a couple of times short or net flat, but it's going to have a correlation probably about 0.9. Uh, if you've got a really fast trend following system or something doing something even weirder, um, then it's going to, you know, the, the correlation between uh, that and the underlying assets going to be much lower. Uh, and if I compare two really fast trend following systems, even on two assets that are quite highly correlated, uh, like say, I don't know, US five year and 10 year bonds. Um, so US five year and 10 year bonds, log only, the correlation is probably about 0.95. Um, a kind of medium speed trend following, you can get that down to about 0 0.6, 0 0.7. So mathematically, there is a greater return to diversification. Um, I think the compromise w would be, and it's an idea I've been thinking about myself, um, if you have a system which uh, scales position according to conviction, uh, which, which is what I call forecast scaling, uh, and in trend following, that would be something simple like, you know, the, the stronger the trend is, the short, the, the, you know, the, the longer or the shorter you'll get. Um, you, you can kind of um, introduce uh, a threshold, which basically means you don't take positions um, if that conviction level is too low. And what that means in practice is you can have a very large portfolio of markets that you're collecting data for and monitoring, but it might be that only on about a third of those at any given time would you actually have enough conviction to hold a position. So it might be that, that your, your, your theoretical portfolio has 150 markets in it, but only about 50 of them you know, do have the conviction and do have the decent sized risk. Now that's going to be particularly valuable for um, you know, people with sub-institutional sized portfolios because it means they can get a lot of the benefits of having a very large portfolio of markets, but it might be that they only have to hold you know, um, a dozen positions at a time. Um, so that, that's one way of doing it uh, to kind of bridge these, these two worlds. Um, but you know, if, I'm, if I'm being honest, you know, once we kind of push the practical issues to one side, um, and I, I should say, Moritz, that the markets I was talking about earlier with the practical problems, those were actually OTC markets. So, you know, the costs perhaps are fixed costs are there, which perhaps wouldn't be for futures necessarily. Fine. Yeah. Um, but but I'm, I'm kind of probably, to be honest, more on Moritz's side than on yours, Niels, to be honest. I think, you know, as a rule of thumb, all of the things being equal. You can always come back. <laughs> uh, all the things being equal, as a rule of thumb, you should have more market, as many markets in your portfolio as you can cope with. Yeah, no, I mean, again, I, I think you're, from a theoretical point of view, I fully understand it. When I look at uh, real data from managers, um, I'm not so sure I see the evidence, but, you know, that's fine. But actually, I think you make a good point, right? 
because since I know a little bit more about Martin's system, he knows about our system, we are the longer term guys, right? So, you know, compared to what he's doing. So there may definitely be some more benefits for, for him to do so. 